Hi, I'm Lucas James. And I'm Jordan Ross. And we're the co-hosts of How to Scale an Agency. After scaling our own agencies to over $185,000 per month in sales and working with agencies doing hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue like Hawk Media and Neil Patel, we've made this show to interview the top digital marketing agency owners and highlight the fastest ways to scale your agency. If you'd like to join the best digital marketing agency community on the planet and let us help you scale, go to agencygo.io to sign up today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How to Scale an Agency. I'm on with the Brittany Drozd. Uh, she is a not only a, a trained psychologist, but uh, she works as an executive coach for a lot of top business owners and a lot of people who are in the marketing space and sales space, and things like that. And she's seen the, the ups and downs of different entrepreneurs as she's been in her profession. And I've worked with her quite a bit. Uh, and I really appreciate the insight she had on our business. I know she's the real deal. So thank you so much, Brittany, for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So the number one reason I wanted you on the show was because I know that mental health is a huge issue for entrepreneurs. But I think one other reason uh, is because you not only are focused on their mental health, but you're also focused on you know strategically how does a company run its business and how do you deal with you know interpersonal issues within a company as it scales. So to the hundreds of agency owners that listen to the show, can you share a little bit about sort of what to you is the most important thing about running a business and what sort of pitfalls you normally see people run into when it comes to their mental health as they're scaling? Sure. Number one challenge I'd say I see and and the difficulties or the pitfalls that come with it are when a, a an agency owner is just excellent at their craft. Maybe people are coming to the agency for that person in particular. and. Right because of that success, they now have more than they can handle and it's time to grow. And those first several hires, like one to 10, make such a huge impact on the yeah. overall kind of trajectory of that organization based on how well that leader hires. But the mistake they often make is they hold on to too much of it too long. They're drowning yeah. in it, they're overwhelmed, they're working those 80 hour weeks. And when you don't take care of you, you can't possibly take care of your team well, take right. care of your customers the way you really need to. But often it's it's the take care of you part that right. you know people let go of. And I think that burnout is such an enormous issue with uh, business owners. And I think one thing you can help prevent them from doing or ending up in is a burnout type situation. What do you think the number one cause of burnout is for entrepreneurs nowadays? The hardest part with entrepreneurship is that it's your money on the table. So it's so hard for people to turn stuff down because they say, well, you know, if I could bring in that money into the organization, everybody would benefit. And yeah. so that's where they, they lose, you know, their compass kind of for saying yeah. no to things they need to or delegating. Right. And what would you say is the sort of inflection point where these things become issues is it does it get harder for people with their mental health and, and hitting achieving peak performance as they scale or is it something that you see is equally a problem between people who have smaller organizations you know we've all seen videos and and and, and heard and, and watched shows uh, like this one we crashed where this guy is like under tremendous stress having a, tens of thousands of people in their organization uh, is that what you see too? I mean, it gets more stressful as you scale or is it more of like a personal issue that people have to work through and if they don't work through it in the beginning, they're probably not going to do very well at the end either. 
Totally. I th so you're going to hate this answer, but the truth is it depends. It depends <laughs> on the person, right? So some people are actually, they do really well with that inflection point and they're able to manage through and pick up those leadership and development skills and right. trust in the process, right? Like that's what it really takes is like getting the right people and training them, delegating them, creating the right systems so that you can put your trust in them and how they operate and how they manage customers and how they develop your business and how they act as brand ambassadors out there in the world for you. But if you don't get that stuff right, you right. can't ever really let go. And so whether you're at 10 or at 100 or at 1,000 employees, like if you haven't done that right, you will hold on to that. Yes, I think one thing that's really cool about your practice and what you do is that you know people can justify it as a business expense and i think that's something that's interesting because especially as you start to scale larger uh one mistake one pitfall can bring your whole company down we've seen it with large businesses who maybe they lay off like a thousand employees at once and cause a huge media uproar i mean there's so many instances of this nowadays where one bad decision strategically that usually stems from a place of insecurity or fear or anxiety can bring an entire company down. So what are you noticing in terms of trends nowadays with mental health? What are people using as mechanisms to increase their performance? Uh, and maybe things that you talk to people about on a regular basis would be helpful to share. Yeah, sure. So I think people pay a lot of attention to like time management and, and how they manage their workload. But I think that that's a mistake. I think that managing time well has so much more to do with how in touch you are with yourself and what you need. And that's specific to an individual. And so instead of, you know, being like, oh, I'm, you know, help me with my time management. Well, it's because you're burnt out over here because you haven't, you know, given back to yourself in so long. You haven't spent any time with your family or whatever it is. You're out of whack, but right. they're trying to treat the symptom you know instead of the root cause and so that's a mistake i see a lot of people make oh i just need to wake up earlier i just need to wake up at 5 a.m i just need to wake up at 4 30. it's like <laughs> that's not the answer and you're actually not bad at time management you definitely don't need to be waking up in the middle of the night like there's a better answer for all of this but you need to change the way that you're looking at it it's a great answer and one thing that i um you want to do is i want to establish your authority a little bit because the talking points that I know when it comes to your business that I thought were really interesting were one, obviously you work with a lot of like high-end coaches. One of the interviews you just did was somebody that, or not coaches, businesses. Uh, one of them you did was about a guy who makes like $23 million a year. He said it was the best interview so far. I got to check that one out. I just saw that email go out. So obviously you're working with top-notch people, but on top of that, you and your husband are both entrepreneurs, which is kind of interesting dynamic. It's like me and my girlfriend are both entrepreneurs, yeah. but I think you definitely have a context that other people don't, especially not a lot of other, you know, business coaches, uh, mm -hmm. a lot of other therapists and, and psychologists and things like that. So how would you define sort of why you're qualified apart from just being licensed as a psychologist, like why you're qualified to work with executives and especially ones who are growing quickly? Yeah, I think it might help to know a little bit about my story. I come from a lineage of entrepreneurs. Um, it's like in me, I had to break out and create my own thing. Yeah. And I saw so many people in this space actually not being mentally well and not running awesome businesses and burning themselves out. And I was like, this is not going to be my story. No way. And I was determined to do it better. And I paid just a ton of attention to who I loved working with, who energized me. Like, who did I yeah. want to work with instead of who you know was coming through the door. I like flipped the, the power game there and said, I'm gonna pick right. who I want this to be. And I noticed, I loved working with entrepreneurs. I mean, this is a unique set 
of individuals who are risk takers, who are committed and disciplined and um, interested in learning and bettering themselves like for a lifetime. And so this is like who I wanted to spend my time with. I decided to go back to school even because I knew that the way that we behave at the workplace is actually in some ways different than we behave at home or in our personal right. life. And so I wanted to be able to better serve this population by having a better handle of the context and the paradigms in which we operate in those settings. And so that yeah. um, definitely has helped me. It's, you know, given me just a, a ton of tools and frameworks to that I can speak with people about it. It helps align teams better. It helps bridge the communication gap and different yeah. levels of the organization and provide just a ton of evidence that, hey guys, this isn't just some random idea I came up with this morning. This is like a fully backed study, you know, with evidence of different organizations having right. success. Hi, this is Lucas James. Are you struggling to get meetings booked with potential prospects for your agency? I'll tell you what, when I first started, I had the same issue, but I was able to A-B test hundreds of different variations of copy on multiple channels and figured out a secret formula to convert anyone from anywhere into taking a meeting with me. I've mastered this approach and now my agency, Twiz, books meetings on autopilot. Last year, we booked 1,731 meetings, closed 234 accounts, and generated $1.72 million in revenue. I want the same thing for your agency, so I've decided to give away some of my best performing outbound copy scripts for free. That's right, absolutely free. If you want to transform your business for free, go to agencygo.io forward slash leads to get your free lead scripts today. That's agencygo.io forward slash leads. Now back to the show. Right. And, you know, one thing that I think we've talked a lot about on your podcast that I was on and also just uh, privately in, in our, our sessions is discussing how to build a really good workplace culture. And I think in a lot of ways it stems from the leader, right? You know, you're setting the tone of the organization. You see people... I always use the example of professional sports coaches where they're like, this is how we show up to work. This is what we do. This is how we're going to practice, et cetera. And that kind of trickles down throughout the organization. So a lot of it depends on the leader's choices, decisions, and like mental framework to grow a good culture. But how would you advise people on building a better culture for their business? What things do you see typically go wrong? You know, one thing I think people really want to know is what leads to a toxic culture, because uh, I think you probably have an insight on that more than most people. So culture in a business is a set of behaviors or expectations that we all kind of, you know, abide by, right? And um, we all know when someone's kind of acting like outside of how they should be or the cultural norms that we've kind of established for this organization. So I just wanted to define that first. We all kind of know what we're talking about here. So when you show up and interact in your organization, great cultures are definitely um, influenced by their leadership. And this actually is true. Any culture is influenced by leadership. We look to the top. It's just the it's just the truth. They're not the only ones who have influence, but they definitely have a fair share of it. The best thing that a leader can do is practice transparency and some humility. You would not be where you were at if it wasn't for the rest of the team. You wouldn't be a leader, in fact, if there were not other people in the organization. And the more you can pay yeah. on to that and include people and make them you know, talk about them as part of the solution, part of what makes the organization great, not just you. You know, I'll never forget, I worked for somebody and I found out they had a parking spot right in the front. It was like president and CEO, like right next to the door. And everybody else had to walk like from the back of the parking lot. I was like, this has to go. Like this, yeah. side, this is not you. This is, you know, this is about yeah. 
them. And once yeah. you get that, you actually have more power. That's the thing. When, as a CEO, as a leader, once you understand you're there to serve them and not the other right. way around, you can actually make a bigger impact that way. Right. Because, yeah, you're unlocking the power of the masses. And, and because of that, I mean, just think of the, the impact that, you know, organization has that has a thousand employees, if they're all working together in unison and they're all acting similar, at least behaving in similar ways with certain mm -hmm. patterns and mm -hmm. coordination, I think is really key. Like, that's how I really think about culture personally is, I always think of it as like synchronized swimming, you know, it's like everyone's coordinated the right way. They might be different. They might have like different perspectives on what the right kind of moves should be. But at the end of the day, they're all synchronized. It's like coordination, I think is so key. And one thing that I, I would love to hear, depending on like what levels you can share, obviously, because a lot of it's confidential. Like, do you have any examples of maybe things you've seen that have really changed a company from the inside based on the leader's decisions? I mean, without getting any details, maybe on a macro level. Sure, totally. And I'll tie in um, the answer to, to the question you asked me about like toxic leadership. I've actually worked with a fair amount of family businesses and this mm -hmm. can get even messier than normal oh, yeah. organization <laughs> because of family dynamics and, you know, the kids taking it over and yeah. whatever the dad secretly resents them is just like a big disaster. And then they're all supposed to go home and enjoy like Christmas together. It's a mess. But <laughs> I was working with a company and they were having a leadership transition from founder to adult children um, yeah. in the family. And there was so much weird stuff about money. And I yeah. was trying to figure it out. And I remember being in a meeting and, and just saying like, what is going on? Like, nobody yeah. really knows what the money situation is. Why is it so private? It's, it's, it's really creating a thing that doesn't need to be here. We created, we talked, at length about what I, an exercise, what I call your money story. Every single one of us has one. And the more right. you can understand your relationship and your narrative and your belief system about money, the more powerful you can be. And you can actually blow past that block and right. create whole new levels of, of wealth and abundance for yourself. But we were having this conversation and the dad had been keeping so much of it, you know, close to the vest and not sharing anything. And we decided that moving forward, we were going to share financials with the whole organization on a, um, a six month basis. And that was going to inform bonuses for the whole organization. It was no longer going to be a mystery what your bonus yeah. was. But it was going to be completely transparent. And it changed so much in the organization because of the trust that was gained and just the feeling that he was actually taking care of them because without, he, he was such a generous guy, but nobody really knew because it was yeah. all kept so private. And then once they right. saw, oh my gosh, this is how much he's sharing with us and he doesn't have to, it just really changed how people felt about him and therefore the whole family and therefore the whole leadership team. Very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I my, my 10 second rant on this is that, you know, I, I think that people are, uh, I think the most poisonous thing to an organization and a society is, uh, the feeling of being entitled to having money that you didn't earn. I think it's just sickening. But anyways, that's my two cents. It's really interesting to see how that's playing out in the world, especially with enormous inequality. But one thing I would ask you as well is with the transparency around salaries, I think it's common conversation people have at, when they're running their business. What is your take on that in general? Like, should you make salaries transparent across an entire organization so everyone knows what everyone else is making? I know Buffer does that but I don't know of a lot of other examples, so. It depends on your company's values. Some companies are very market-driven and they are going to have more of a focus on the numbers like that. Yeah. They're going to be a bit more competitive internally 
based on those values and they're going to attract those people and that's going to be fine for them and that's going to work out but other organizations that are a bit more collaborative or a clan based type style um, and these are just different labels given to you i'm sure you could pull out what you think the values are there but like teamwork more you know like employee centric or whatever that might not be a good fit there the numbers that we shared were you know profit like overall top line revenues and then profits and then percentage of profits that were being shared and then how it was distributed across yeah. and so while you might have been able to like calculate someone's bonus you there would still be like you know some privacy i guess for people it just it depends on the the set of values of the organization and what kind of environment you're trying to create so sharing yeah. that might create a bit more of an internally competitive environment. And that's not bad. I just want to make right. sure it's aligned to what you're trying to achieve. Very interesting. So, so tell me, someone tell me this, let's paint the dream outcome for people, because I think a lot of people who listen to this show, they want to build big businesses. There's a fraction of them, I would say, that want to eventually build something like a tech company, an IPO. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they'll spin off from their marketing company and they'll go start. That's actually what I want to do. But and I know there's <laughs> okay. Who want that. This is a but, question from you then. Yeah, it's a question <laughs> from me, submitted by an anonymous reader. But I think that, you know, I'm curious, like, because you mentioned, I think that you guys, you've worked with like companies that are in their series D round of financing. They're like pretty deep in that. What changes specifically as an entrepreneur gets to, let's say over a thousand employees? I'm assuming there's just a lot more inherent stress. You're probably, if you're IPO'd, you're dealing with like public markets and things like that. A lot of, and you could go to jail if you like misuse people's funds on accident or, or whatever. So what is it that you've seen that really changes once you get to like an, the next level and you're just like the top 0.01% of entrepreneurs? Well, I think that that happens gradually. The truth mm -hmm. is, is it's not like you, it's not like that goal is here and you go to it. You're yeah. becoming that person more and more every day and you're pulling that achievement towards you because that's who you're becoming so you don't wake up one day and go, oh my gosh like wow what do i do with all this stuff and i'm responsible for it and oh my gosh what if i make a terrible decision like to get to that level you are already a person who can manage an incredible amount of uncertainty and serve a ton yep. of masters and be able to handle the lot of stuff coming at you and that's how you got there. You know, when you were like 95% there, you were just, you know, right below it at managing a similar amount. You just hadn't gone public yet or, yeah. you know, whatever you hadn't gotten the next round of funding, but you were already that guy. Yeah. And so I think that's a really important actually to remember is so many people are like, maybe you're in one of the valleys right now of entrepreneurship about before you hit another peak and it, it can be lonely and you can feel uncertain and you can really start to doubt yourself. But do you have so many awesome points of experience and evidence that got you to this place that you are moving in the right direction you have what it takes it's just about riding out that plateau sometimes and like trusting that next big bump is coming but it's mm -hmm. about that consistency and that discipline every day and and that's what creates that you know amazing entrepreneur that amazing ceo is from decades of handling that and still showing up every day Nice. And, you know, my last my last question for you before we jump into kind of like, you know, how people can get in touch with you and everything is uh, one thing that I've been personally pretty upset with entrepreneurship. And I see it sometimes with marketing agencies, but not as not as often, but is hyper successful CEOs that are just complete jerks. Like, I think I think the glorification of Steve Jobs is, again, also sickening. It's like this man might have been a great founder, but he was also the worst person. I couldn't even get through his biography. 
because it was so bad. Like he's just such a bad person. So what I'm curious about is where do you think it comes from? Why are people allowed to be jerks and run like enormous organizations? And a follow-up to that, this will be my final question is, what does the future CEO look like? Like, what do you ideally think that role looks like? And what should people be trying to build towards as like a per like a leader in, in the 22nd century, I guess? The new buzzword you're going to see everywhere is empathetic leadership. This is the leadership trend we're seeing coming through already and will be here for the next you know few years. What we're understanding, especially through COVID, is that showing up as a human is what matters most. And mm -hmm. in this great resignation, great reshuffle, whatever you want to call it, the greatest reason why people either stay or leave is dictated by the direct supervisor. If that person is great to them or whatever, then they stay. If they don't have, you know, if they don't get what they need from that person, they move on. The best thing you can do as a CEO, as an organization, as somebody who's responsible for making sure great people stay and winning that talent yeah. war is understanding, have I developed my management team? Do these guys know how to show up and not only manage work and projects, but actually develop people and invest in them? Because right. it's really hard to do both of those things. They require different parts of your brain. And I mean, that's, I feel like that's why I have a job. That's why like, I have a business that is fruitful because that's hard to do both of those things. We focus so much on project management mm -hmm. and we've forgotten this other part that actually matters more and is dictating the market right now, which is interesting. Right. Well, I love the whole, you know, empathetic leadership thing. I think that's definitely something that more people should move towards. I know that a lot of uh, there's definitely a lot of uh, hate towards like the woke movement, but I think it's kind of funny that anyways, this is a whole other conversation. I don't know why I think good people are more empathetic, but like people out there are upset that people are more empathetic. I don't get it, but that's just the world we live in nowadays, I think. And uh, I appreciate you being on the show. Is there any way people can get in touch with you or what ways would be best and how could they work with you if they're interested and things like that? Of course. So if you're seeing this, you can see how my name is spelled. My website's BrittanyDroz.com. You can email me at Brittany at BrittanyDroz.com. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. I try to make myself pretty easy to find so that you can get in touch with me. I have a podcast that you mentioned that you guys can catch my episode with Lucas. It's called Eye Openers. You can catch it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. And there, I really love to showcase the true entrepreneurial story, not just the highlight reel, not just the motivational speeches, but the real story of what it means to be an entrepreneur and know that you're not alone in your challenges that you face every day. It's a great show. I've been on it. Uh, definitely recommend y'all listen to it. And uh, just because we actually don't even release the video on this, uh, everybody, okay. spell her name. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't give her a heads up. Britney, like Britney Spears, spelled that. And then D is in dog, R is in reindeer, O is in ostrich, Z is in zebra, and D is in dog. Uh, hit her up. She's got a really cool presence online and uh, helps a lot of people out with uh, scaling their businesses. So thank you, Brittany, so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. Of course. Thanks so much, Lucas.